Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. It's a double dip weekend edition of the Windy City Podcast. We've got Cubs talk coming up first with Jordan Burnfield and Brian Beto, and then a Bulls podcast with some special memories of the Scotty Pippen charity game from 1994 and trying to figure out what we have learned from Zach Levine's return to the Bulls at the end of the season, Kobe White playing well. Cubs had their hot streak five in a row. Then they drop a couple in Cleveland. They beat the Tigers last night. We'll see if Kyle Hendricks can pitch better uh, than he has his last couple of outings. Some Hendricks talk and kind of trying to figure out what's going on behind the scenes with the Cubs right now. Does it matter what they're doing on the field? Are they going to make an offer to Chris Bryant? And, yes, we delve deeply into the rumors that are, I guess, have some legs not huge but just poking around Chris Bryant to the White Sox it's not completely off the table my understanding is there have at least been some level of discussion it's nothing super serious but you can't completely rule it out so we talked about it from a White Sox perspective earlier in the week we'll talk about it from a Cubs perspective today needless to say I would not want to see that happen, even if it is just for the rest of the season and Bryant signs elsewhere. Uh, But, hey, maybe it could be something that would make sense for both teams. Uh, Cub fans need to wrap their heads around if it made sense for both teams. The White Sox could very well win the World Series this year, which, by the way, they very well might do. They're playing incredible baseball even after the win streak came to an end uh, with the split with Kansas City yesterday. So we'll start with Cubs talk, then Bulls talk first. Yes, DeWindy City Podcast brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com, put in the promo code FANSIDED20 and pick yourself up the Lawn Mower 4.0. Free shipping, 20% off when you put in that code FANSIDED20. If you want your down low area to be groomed with perfection, you don't need to get out the razor. You just bring in the Lawn Mower 4.0. It takes care of everything. Ceramic blade, it's skin safe. It's just a very efficient, safe, amazing way to make yourself feel proud of what you've got down in that region. Yes, it's the optimized lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. It's waterproof. You can groom in the shower. That's the place to do it, in my opinion. 
And did I mention, by the way, some wireless charging? That's right. Wireless charging system. You can always have your lawnmower 4.0 ready to go. Do I have to tell you anything? You're still trimming your face with your, yes, ball trimmer. Time to make some changes. Get yourself that lawnmower 4.0. It really, it's a life changer. Get in there. All right. The Windy City Podcast, a double pod with little Cubs and Bulls talk right here for you on the weekend. Appreciate you. It starts right now. Showtime. Can we get Jed Hoyer to sit down? What is going on in Cubs Central right now? Like, What are the conversations? Are they sitting there trying to come up with a plan to keep Chris? There's like legit rumors supposedly out there, and I've talked to a couple people who supposedly are remotely in the know and the White Sox stuff with Chris Bryant actually has some level of legitimacy to it. I don't know how much, but there are people around there that think that, that those conversations are actually happening. Which hey, is well, Okay, well, let me ask you this then, both yeah. of you guys. If they were to trade him to the White Sox, forget the whole meatball crap with the White Sox. If they were to trade him to the White Sox, what do you want? You're only getting – I mean, remember – He's only will going give, there for half a year. Will, yeah, will you give us Dylan Cease back? I don't know how that's a Eloy fit. Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, and we'll and have <laughs> the Padres throw in Francis, or Fran Fernando Tatis because we should have they should have never gotten rid of him. Seriously, Bito, like, would would you be willing to trade Bryant to the White Sox? And what do you want? Hold on. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I want. I mean, I I'm I don't I don't care that it's the White Sox as long as it's not in the division. I do. I do. You know, I I, I, I mean, we're gonna hear the meatball stuff, and it's gonna be annoying. But like, I don't know. Is he gonna resign there anyway? What if he if he plays there for three months? Is it the end of the world if we get they just whatever they deem to be like actual value, not like I'm just gonna trade him to, to get the contract or the $10 million remaining on the contract at that point, halfway through the year, uh, off the bucks. Could be Chris Bryant for Garrett Crochet and Andrew Vaughn and throwing a Mike or Adolfo. First of all, there's no way the White Sox are doing that. Right. The White Sox aren't doing that. Chris Chris Bryant for a package built around Mike or Adolfo, who's 24 and a double A, has been injured 7,000 times. Is that going to excite anybody? I mean, do they like no. do they like Andrew Dahlquist, Jonathan Stever? Every time he comes up here, he gets raked. I don't. It sounds, it sounds like that Moneyball scene where he's like, hey, we'll "Throw in Michaelson, Anderson." You don't. I like Anderson. You don't even know <laughs> yeah. who Anderson is. That's yeah. what I feel like right now. What right. about what about Kopech? Right. Is there any way they're to not get doing Kopech? that either? They're not doing. And like, and yeah. I, I saw. You know, they 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 showed Jake Berger is at AAA. He's twenty five years old. He's at seven thousand injuries. He had a home run the other day, and it was making its way around Twitter. Like, Berger's back. The guy looks like he's 40 years old, and he's 25 because he's been hurt so many times. I don't know what exactly. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world for the White Sox to get him. With the injuries that they've had to Robert and Jimenez, they need an outfielder. Bryant's super versatile. You can put him out there. He'd obviously be a better defender than Andrew Vaughn. I mean, and right. you, and I know that Tony La Russa has a fascination with Billy Hamilton, but I don't get it. I mean, obviously, Chris Bryant would be a great addition for the White Sox, but if you're the Cubs, given the recent trade, and I agree that it's meatball and stupid, but I do think that both sides think this way because sports are meatball. I think that if the Cubs were to trade Chris Bryant, they would have to come away in a deal where they universally are believed to have won. Like, I don't think that they could trade Chris Bryant to the White Sox, given the recent trade where they gave up Jimenez and Cease for a guy that stunk for the Cubs for a lot of his career, they would have to come away 
with fans thrilled about the trade for the Cubs' end of it, and I don't know that they can do it. I think the fans are actually doing some good work right now that Bryant's getting MVP chance. Because we do know that I think Chris got a little bothered by the booing and the constant talk about him not being clutch or whatever the criticisms have been the last couple of years. And now they're screaming MVP. Hopefully that makes him feel good. And this is now I'm like really being a meatball right now. Like, I hope Chris feels good. And maybe it resonates with just Jed Hoyer. Jed, did you hear it's that? They're, scre- they're, they're, I love it. they're screaming MVP for him, Jed. Freaking give him, make the deal. But again, though, this comes back to what we've been talking about in this podcast. Like, if they're going to pay Chris Bryant, like, Beto, you made the point before that they look like they're going to be a 500 team as presently constructed. And so they're going to have weeks where they go five and one and weeks where they go one and five. And it's just going to be this in between kind of season. If you sign Chris Bryant, are you prepared to sign more players to not be 500? Because that's what this all comes down to. It is a massive, and I'm not saying the Cubs are willing or able to open up their, their checkbook. Uh, I guess they're able, but are they willing to open up their checkbook? It is a massive free agent class. So it's going to be probably one of the most intriguing ones in figuring out who's going to get what, how much of the pandemic's going to affect these uh, like these checkbooks. I keep saying checkbooks. Nobody uses them anymore, but you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> yeah. So like, does that affect you know, like Brian's maybe not the premier bat. Rizzo's maybe not the premier bat. That that's somewhere. That's like we talked about the Darvish thing. That I think the Cubs weren't planning on jumping in, from what it sounds like. But it sounds like they got better than market values. They're like this much for that guy. Yeah, I'm absolutely doing it. So I, I don't know. Which, but you're right. Like if they sign Bryant, I think in the off season or extend or whatever it is, and they maybe sign Rizzo, it's like okay, like we're kind of in it now, right? Like we can't just be middling. And go from there. Like, you have to keep adding. And what would the point so. be of signing both of them and then not signing anybody else? Right? Like, why would you yeah. Why would you spend $300 million to be 500? They would sign other people, but they would look for value. And, yeah. one, and one of the reasons why signing Bryant would make a lot of sense from that vantage point, if you sign him and there's a guy that gives you great value at third base, well, you can move him to left. Or you could, yeah. or or right, or first. Like you could do a million different things, and I do worry that they may make a mistake like they made back in the day when it's not the same. But I'm and I'm reaching here. But back in the day, Sandberg was the popular guy, Rhino, 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 and they signed him to a, a big contract at the time for was like seven million a year for like thirty five million bucks. They signed Sandberg, and right when they did it, there were Cub fans are saying. One in particular, Benny Levy, my good buddy in high school, who's uh, slightly crazy, but he's awesome. He's like, they're gonna, they're not going to sign Maddox. They're not going to sign Maddox. They're not, and they they sort of prioritize the popular guy. And I do worry, at least a little bit, that they're going to pop. They're going to prioritize the Rizzo popular, just a little bit more rock solid, been here longer, and maybe is a little bit less expensive, dude, over Bryant. Like if I'm pick- why, when if CO Jed any of those guys paid for past performance more than what they expect in the future? Right. I also don't think that Rizzo. It's, it's fair. Realistically, what is Rizzo like? We've talked about this before. Rizzo at most gets a five-year deal somewhere near a hundred million as a thank you from the Cubs on the open market. Even if Rizzo has a typical Rizzo year, which is you know Chris oh, Bryan you know, extra bases. Sorry. As we speak. Oh, Go nice. ahead. All right, good. No, but I'm saying a normal Rizzo year is, 
you know, 30 home runs, around 100 RBI, OPS in the high eights-ish, you know, mid eights, and consistent, solid, good gold glove kind of defense. At 32, what is that going to cost? I don't feel like on the open, I feel like the Cubs are going to be willing to pay Rizzo more than any other team. But that being said, I don't think it's going to cost that much for them to keep him. So I don't feel like Rizzo is going to preclude them from choosing either direction. And if it does, that would be a huge, huge indictment of the Cubs as a franchise. Because if you, if, if, if paying Anthony Rizzo a thank you contract were to be the reason that you can't compete, that's BS. I would be very, yeah, totally. I'd be very, I I would be very upset though if they preemptively signed Rizzo before Bryant has signed and letting it play out and effectively taking themselves out of signing Chris Bryant because they got Rizzo at a deal that they thought was reasonable and they weren't sure they were going to get Chris. I'd rather them roll the dice and see exactly how it's going to play out and make a decision then because I do think if the Cubs came in right where Bryant is getting from whatever other team it is, I think he'd stay here. I think he likes it here. I, I believe yeah. him when he says that. So I'd rather they did that. Like I'd rather lose... Unless the A's move to Las Vegas. Well, there's... Okay, I, I, I suppose that... <laughs> That's a possibility. That could happen. Yeah. I'm just saying if that does happen, that would be a worry for me. Uh, if Chris you, Bryant yeah. could live in his home. What about, how about this? How about this? Like, the Cubs are used to crazy contracts with Dawson with the blank check. How about, like, a Brizzo check or a Brizzo contract? It's like they both pool a bunch of money, sign both guys, and then they could figure out the share. So, you know? It's like the Friends episode. They negotiated together. Six is one. The Friends cast as opposed to just one off. We go Brizzo. We sign them the same day. One, one of the, not one of the other. Like Karma suggest, like agreeing with uh, to that point too. I'm, I'm in for it. And I just say that if what Beto just said is a stroke of genius. The Cubs are always the franchise that talk about you know marketing and PR and they got a TV network and they got to drum up interest. Could you imagine how popular that would be if they re-signed Rizzo and Bryant the same day? Right, the same day. And, and by the way. This is what they were supposed to do with everything that has happened as far as the renovation of Wrigley Field, buying up all the properties, getting their own TV network, the good old marquee sports network. Like this, like the conversation should have been, well, how are they going to be able to sign Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez? And what it should have been right now was they have the money to do it. Period. End of story. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Oh, yeah. If they were to sign, I'll, I'll give you guys this point. If they were to re-sign Rizzo and Bryant on the same day, just as Beto suggested, and they did a big Brizzo stand, they're they're going to be here for the future, they're going to retire as Cubs, the whole lot. I think, and and tell me if you think I'm wrong, if that is the, the focal point of the offseason plus whoever else they signed, presumably to stay competitive, if they then don't re-sign Bias, I think it takes away the sting. For sure. If you tell me, if you tell Cub fans, listen, we can't sign all of them, but we're going to keep Rizzo. We're going to be active in the free agent market for some pitcher that we need because we traded you Darvish for a bunch of San Diego teenagers. And if, if if you're willing, this is our plan. I think Cub fans signed for it. They'd be sad that Javi's gone because Javi is beloved. He's a folk hero, but I think that they signed for it. Do you agree, Beto? I agree. Okay. I do. I, uh, and I, I wish we could take that trade back then with Darvish just because he's pitching really well and I'd be more excited about this team. Understand why they did it? 
but I think that would get me more excited. I understand why they did it, but at the same time, I don't, because I think it was totally short-sighted. I mean, it was obviously fueled on getting the $68 million back, and I'm not saying that the contract was necessarily worth it the way that Darvish had pitched up until 2020, but they're going to recoup the money. The world is returning to normal. There, I think by September it's going to be full houses at Wrigley. Do you really? I do. And so yeah. based on the the amount of money that they lost last year, even though Forbes just valued the Cubs as the 23rd most valuable sports franchise in the world, so clearly they've got the money to spend if they want to spend it, ahem, Cubs, Ricketts. They, the point is they they wanted to save $68 million in the short term, but they're going to recoup that money. So you could argue that they should have kept Darvish and they should have kept this window going, as you just said, Carr. I didn't hate the deal. In fact, I generally liked the deal because I always thought that you Darvish was one second away from breaking down, and he hasn't, so I'm being proven wrong. And, and guessing it when people are going to fall off the cliff is a stupid way to go about business, so shame on Carm for shame on me for thinking that way. However, if they had gotten you know big-time prospects for him, that right. would feel a whole lot better, but they didn't because of the, what the market was. And maybe they're just that smart and they'll be proven correct, but more likely is that they'll be lucky if one of the, what, four players they got, was it four or five, actually pans out. They're certainly all not going to hit. I'd, I'd bet my life on that. That's not how this works. And but Vito knows better than either of us, I mean, because he worked in the minor leagues longer than, than I did. Certainly, when you trade for a 19-year-old kid, if they reach the majors, that's a win in itself, right, Beto? I mean, it's not, it's not even almost about yes. how many make it to the majors and are stars on the team. That's a bonus. If one of them makes yeah. the major leagues, that's a win. I mean, they might have more upside long-term, but the odds of them reaching that upside are probably a, maybe a little bit lower just because they're so far away from big league ball and they just haven't had the reps. I got one more thing. Yeah. Can I say it just because it was on the broadcast? Please. Happy anniversary to Glenn Allen Hill 21 years ago today on top of a Waveland rooftop. It's got to be the shoes. Got to be the shoes. That's unbelievable that you just brought that up. That was so incredibly awesome. I'm going to pull the clip and put it on the tape right now. You like the red shoes or the blue shoes, Ben? Like that. I like the blue (laughs) shoes, Ben. from the time it left the bat but watch this look where it comes down the kid caught it on the roof retracted down finally wow 490 feet is the estimation on that home right it's got to be longer than that oh my goodness Glen Allen Hill had one of the greatest swings in Cub history I mean he was built like a truck and just swung that bat like it was a billy club and was on steroids, right? He was oh for sure. Yes, and probably corked his back. Well, we don't know. It's never been proven, right? No, I, I thought that he was named. He landed uh, it on the roof. That's not human. Like 
<laughs> we could speculate. I mean, he, he's been cutting the coaching ranks for a while. He was with the Rockies for a little bit. I don't want to slander Glenn Allen Hill here. So if he was not, but I'm pretty sure, if I you recall right. correctly, that he was named in the Mitchell Report or something as a as a steroid guy. Either way, steroids or not, that was a mammoth blast. Oh, and and he always wore those like shades too, like yes. the very '90s looking shades. Yes, when he hit. That Not even when he was, was in the field when he hit. Totally it was like cool. stone cold. Apparently he was a gentle giant, though, like the nicest dude ever. Yes. That was, I was a fan. Of, that's a top two probably Chip Carey call ever, too. Not sure if it's good or not, but it's certainly top two. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the other one, though? The one that he did in the ALDS? Swung out, line, line drive, drive, drive caught out there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> line drive, base hit, caught. Yeah, that but, was. Uh, I mean, the the carry wood here comes the hooks is number one as we we've, we've talked about. But the about, Glenn Allen Hill because I think he's like, I think he says something about like he's wearing red sneakers or shoes or, or gray sneakers and he's like I don't know which ones I like better and then he hits it and he goes I think I like the red or something like that because he hit it so hard and then when he's obviously trotting around the bases is when he busts out the uh, the Spike Lee quote there. So. Just just to recap as I. Just finally found the Hill quote. My brief use of performance-enhancing substances embarrassed me both personally and professionally, Hill said. It was something that I did not want to discuss with anyone. After much thought and reflection, I felt that I owed it to God, my family, and to Windy City Podcast to be completely forthcoming and truthful, along with the Rockies organization. I would like to extend my deepest apologies to the Rockies organization, to my family, friends, and the Windy City Podcast and a baseball fans across the country. Glenn Allen Hill, we accept your apology, my brother. I accept it. I love Glenn Agreed. Allen Hill. I want to say we got him for, like, Candy Maldonado. I could be wrong oh, there. wow. I could be slandering this, but that's one of the all-time great Cubs names. Cubs. So. Last, we will finish it up here on this Cubs trade for Glenn Allen Hill. You think it was Candy Maldonado. Right what do you think, Jordan Burnfield? I think it's a really good guess given the timeline, but I don't remember. Because uh, I think Hill, did Hill have two stints with the Cubs? Because Hill was 2000, and he might have been early, and Candy Maldonado was mid-90s. Candy Maldonado was on the Cubs in 1993. Glenn Allen Hill was tr- was selected by the Toronto Blue Jays in the ninth round of the eight, 1983 draft, uh, traded by Toronto with Dennis Boucher, Mark Witten, and Cash to Cleveland in exchange for Tom Kenny and Internal War, June 27, 1991. Traded by Cleveland to the Cubs in exchange for Candy Maldonado. Oh. I'm hanging him up. I'm hanging him up. This that, is my last podcast. That's a walk-off. That's an incredible pull. Georgia 98, pull. done. August 19th, 1993. I had just oh, turned. What a waiver! What a waiver deadline deal right there. Post waiver deadline deal. Whoever, Incredible. Whoever said this was also correct because, as it turns out, Glenn Allen Hill had two stints with the Cubs. Yeah, that was me. I thought I was about to say. Yes, yeah, 93 and 94, and then was back in 98 and 99. And 2000. Claimed on waivers by the Cubs from the Mariners, July 6th, 1998. Beto is all things Glenn Allen Hill. The Cubs then signed him again in 98 and then traded him to the Yankees. You get this one, Beto, and Jordan will give you $10,000. No chance you can name either of the two players that they got for Glenn Allen Hill, but go ahead. In 1999? Did either of them actually play for the Cubs? July 2000. They traded July 21 of 2000 at the deadline. Um, did any? Did either of them play? 
I do not remember them playing. That's not to say they didn't. Uh, I'm not going to get I this one. I told no you idea. I should have hung him up after my Kenny Maldonado one. Ben Finfer, no, Ben Ford, and, <laughs> no, and, no. and Oswaldo Marina. Let's go with Marina. M- I, M- I don't know either of those guys. The 2000 Cubs were not one of the, the better teams in the franchise's history. You're I sure it wasn't that. Oswaldo Guillen? That I, I don't I, – yeah, I, I don't – that team, I, I kind of – I remember like they had like Damon Buford on that team, and I think that's like the only random Cub I remember for that group. So Damon I don't remember either of those two fine gentlemen that you just – Ben, mentioned that I'm sure we're, we're ben, good professional baseball players. They were. Ben Ford played four games, got no uh, – was he a pitcher? Um, I don't know who Ben Ford is. He, he he had four games with the Yankees, got no at-bats in um, 2000. He played 19 games with the Brewers in 2004. Right. I want to say Todd Van Poppel had a year that year. It was pretty solid out of the pen. I do remember Todd Van Poppel out of nowhere. I do also recall uh, always calling Glen Allen Hill Grandpa Hill because I have a grandfather named Glenn and I had a grandfather named Allen. Two names put together. I love your grandparents. 2,000 Cubs, Oswaldo Morena, two games. He got six outs. Oswaldo Morena. Can, <laughs> can we say goodbye on that, please? Hey, Oswaldo Morena. Have we learned anything, Brian Beto, about this basketball team? Because everyone, I'm getting texts from, I've got one father and son team who texts me all the time like, oh man, now that Zach's back, look at this team, look at Kobe White, look at Vooch, next year they're going to be sweet. And I'm like, no they're not, they're going to suck again. But maybe I'm dead wrong. I, maybe they'll be, uh, I mean, when I, and when I say suck, like, I mean, I think they'll be a, at best, they, I think they could be a 500 basketball team, but I don't see any big, high, reachable ceiling for the squad as currently constituted, but maybe I'm too well, negative. The thing is that they're not going to be how they're currently constructed. Yeah, if you run it back with the same crew, then yeah, I agree. Like 500-ish would be a, a even a stretch goal or, at that point, but the idea is to add, like we said, they're not done just based on it's not like they had the trade deadlines like okay dynasty part two here we go it's still it's still a work in progress i I will say though like i'm in very much in the camp of let's get as many ping pong balls as we can to the lottery at this point but it's hard to not feel good about how they're ending the year at least seeing the potential like there's some solace i would i would think i mean i'm not a coach but i mean there's got there's got to be something that you take from that positively we need a miracle, man. We need, I'm not saying a Derrick Rose level miracle. 26.3% going in today, which is the most likely scenario that we finish with those odds of getting a pick. So that's not too bad. That's one out of four. We'll take it. Okay. No, that's, that's not terrible. No. It's, that's basically just a little worse than they had last year when they had a 32% chance and got that to jump into the top four. That's basically what they, they basically have a 31% chance every year. Cause they always finish with the seventh worst record. We're at eight this year. 
I want to do this after the season as to who's here and who's back and whatnot. Three wins in a row. Vooch is putting up 29. Zach had 30. Kobe put up 25 against the Celtics. These wins are all mediocre at best, but they're doing it in pretty convincing fashion, which I think is impressive. Is there anything that you guys are seeing, I don't know how much you're watching Bulls basketball right now, that stands out to you that there is a level of clicking that we hadn't had before? It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that it would happen this fast, but if you look at the results, maybe it is. It's all about Kobe White. I mean, bottom line, it's about how Kobe White has played since Zach Levine got hurt. That That is the biggest takeaway of the last two weeks is they found Kobe White's game back again. That's what they were missing early. I think they were really damaged by the Atlanta Hawks game where Zach Levine went crazy and the whole team stunk around him. And it kind of sent the whole team into a free fall. You know, like they, they just all lost their confidence and especially Kobe White more than any of them just lost his confidence to a point where he was horrible. And not, not to say he didn't have bad stretches through the year, but you know, through the season, it was a lot of up and down. So I think that's the biggest takeaway right here is let, let's see what the, Kobe, does Kobe White give them a legitimate, I don't want to say number three player on a championship team or playoff team or anything like that, but just a legitimate third scorer on the team, which is what they really needed. I think uh, in addition to that, defensively, they've been better. I mean, they're not the Tibbs Bulls or even like the, the early 2010 Miami Heat or anything of that stretch, but they've at least been a like not completely inept defensively. And I think it's a, it's a coach's boy, Garrett Temples, I think played well and helped in that capacity. Troy Brown's even been out and he's probably one of their best defenders. And they've gone to Javante Green, who's, who's I almost called him Jalen Green because we were doing draft talk, uh, doing pretty good there, there too. So I just, I don't know, I think that has contributed to where they're not – forced to score 130 points a night to, to try to win a basketball game. So I, I think that's another thing that stands out. Did fans being in the stands excite you at all? Because I got to be honest, I went to StubHub.com. I'm looking at the tickets for the Celtics game. And Section 308, row 18, and they're selling for <laughs> – $92 or something, and then with fees, that's probably 110 bucks. And I'm thinking to myself, who in the world is making the decision to go Friday night, Bulls-Celtics, Bulls coming in at a robust 27-39 and 39 to see Vooch roll strong to try to get to 11-under? Yet that, those were the prices people wanted to Celtic see. Celtic fans, that's who was coming. <laughs> I, There's well, a lot of them. It, that's that maybe well they hold on. want the t-shirt what are you talking about they want the t-shirt they figure it's only 10,000 how many fans are there they figure that the odds of getting a t-shirt now are like 75 percent so you know now it's like an 87 dollar cost right you get a five dollar t-shirt there you go You're- it's been like two years or a year and a half since anyone's been able to see in person benny the bull drop a big bag of popcorn over the stands <laughs> So it's been a very, very long time. So people will pay good money for that. Is there a player in the NBA that you would pay that $120 for no matter what? Like, all right, $120, I have to be in the building to watch this player. Is there any player that you would do that for? Garrett Temple for you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Jared Temple guarding Steph Curry. That's what I want to see right there. Oof. If are you t- are you saying 120 in the upper deck? Yeah, like 120 in the upper deck. Like just to be in. You want to be, be in, in the, the stadium? No. Be in the building? No. Is no. there any player in the no. NBA you would pay that money for? No. No, not today. Now, since you brought up 120, I want to name the best time I ever spent. I think 125 bucks was the Scottie Pippen charity game, 1994, last game ever, Chicago Stadium. I had a I had a sense, Beto, that Jordan's going to play in this game. I know it. Last game of the stadium, he's going to play. And I went down to the stadium before the game, like a month before. Maybe I didn't have cash or whatever it was. I, I had like front row mezzanine center court seats for whatever it was, and I decided to not get them. And then Jordan announces that he's coming back, and the place sells out in five seconds, and I'm screwed. So, so I'm out. So, so, me, so me and David Frank are out on the street, and instead of paying, I think that ticket like front row mess center court was like twenty bucks. I ended up paying one hundred and twenty-five dollars for behind the bucket in the mezzanine. And I'm sitting there walking around like, see, this feels like a lot of money, but this is the greatest purchase I will ever make. This is the last game ever at Chicago Stadium, and Jordan is playing. Uh, it was yeah. – and, and, and he put up 50. Especially you're retired, Jordan. Right. right? It, it, it was unbelievable. And I was like – afterwards, I was like trying to unscrew light bulbs and like rip up the carpet from the stadium to have some memorabilia. Like I, I – <laughs> I was the who, who else played in it? Who else was in it? I'm impressed that you remember it was $125 exactly. Yeah, I'm impressed that, that you paid that long. It, it, that's pretty yeah. impressive. It was I can ask him what he had for dinner last night. He won't remember, but he remembers the exact dollar amount he played for an exhibition yeah. basketball game 27 years ago. Yeah, I think it was two for two. Well, we yeah, it, we should ask him. We should ask him what that spicy food was with on his date. Spicy food dinner. Penny Penny Hardaway. That's a great reference to a great a, a date gone bad. For those who are not listening to every DeWindy City podcast, where the where uh, she told me that she didn't like spicy food and we were getting sushi, and I said, "Well, why don't we get number four? I don't like spicy. I told you that." <laughs> And I still we we had a, we had a, that, that yell that gets louder every week. <laughs> it, 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 it haunts me at three in the morning. Who played in the game? Who played? Yeah, like I'm just curious. Who yeah. are the celebrities? Tons of them. Penny Hardaway, Jason Kidd. They were all out there, man. Like everybody wanted to be on the court with Jordan. And well, I didn't know if it was like a movie thing too, like like Bill Murray, like when he put no. on his Space Jam suits. Is he out there? Is it just players? It was legit ballers. And Pippen was guarding Jordan, and Jordan hit some ridiculous fadeaway, and the place went nuts. And then he kissed the bull at the end of the, you know, walking off nice. the court. And then I sat there and cried, and I don't think I stopped crying for at least three years. And then I left the building. All right. Well, let's let's look around the league here, because uh, Coach A, you wanted to touch on. Uh, Little Steph Curry, Curry and Westbrook, little Russ. Yeah, Curry. I, Go ahead. I, I think that's the big. I think that's the big story this year is Westbrook and Curry. And so I would, I would love to know, based, you know, just on like people who listen and fans, which player they would rather have. Would they rather? Have, I mean, I would assume more people will say Curry simply. Curry's won more championships. I say Curry, you know, from a coaching standpoint, and even for me, entertainment standpoint, but. Over the years, there's a lot of people that love Russell Westbrook more than Curry. And with what Westbrook is doing this year and what Curry's doing this year, I think it's 
it's always been an interesting dynamic between those two players of who do you like better. Westbrook, for the record, he just tied the all-time record for triple-doubles with Oscar Robertson, 181. He's got 35 of them this year, which is insane. And I love him, but he can't shoot. And his biggest downsize for me, you were up 3-1 with KD, and you lost to the Warriors. That sucks. And it just shouldn't have happened. And he, he gets a big part of that loss, in my, in my mind. But doesn't I, – I, and I'm with you and all both of you and Curry, but Curry also lost a 3-1 lead that he, same year. He did, but he was hurt. Like, and they had Draymond suspended, right? Yeah. I, I know. Well, he, like wasn't, say, he wasn't hurt. He was 2016 from my – for my life, from a basketball standpoint, not baseball. That, that was the worst thing that's ever happened in, in NBA history, that particular comeback. <laughs> it was an absolute de- death for any Jordan fan, which, by the way, on Carm TikTok, I just put out reasons 6 through 10 why Jordan is the GOAT. And I, and I, <laughs> I, I, will, I will continue to the end of time. 30,000 views in one day. People are very, uh, very much digesting the content. Thank you so much, Carm TikTok followers. I... <laughs> I I don't know, man. Like Steph, I saw my guy Nick Wright was making an argument that Steph's his starting point guard all time, number one. Well, I don't like agreeing with Nick Wright though, because he's a LeBron guy. So there you go, over Jordan. Yeah, I mean Nick's an idiot, but that but that's an it was an interesting. Right, so that hurts my argument that I agree with him. So so you <laughs> I have I, I have a I have Steph Curry number two after. Magic Johnson. And oh, yeah, yeah. I, sorry, I should clarify. I, I, I mean, I agree that he's better than Westbrook. I Magic, for sure. Yeah. Let's take what about Isaiah Thomas? There's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of anti-Steph Curry people out there. Steph Curry has Why? a lot of antis. I don't, he just does that because he's people you – know, you know what people love to do? It's the same thing that Zach Levine dealt with now, not comparing the two of them. But a lot of people love to go to the defense stuff. A lot of people, when they want to make their argument right, and they just don't like a player as much, oh, he's not as he's not a great defender, and so he gets hit on not being a great defender. People will say, you know, things of that nature. He's not a true point guard, um, you know. So you get some of that. You get some of that as well. And I think because he's because he can be physically beaten up a little bit, sometimes people like to go after him. I remember Stacey King talked about like the Warriors, like what they would do to Steph Curry. Like, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't go off on us because we would just press him full court. And I was like, you know what he would do? He would just pass the ball to Andre Iguodala, run up the court and run you guys off of screens like crazy. Like he, like if he played in the NBA in the nineties, do you know when big guys used to set screens, how open, Steph Curry would have been all the time coming off these screens. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, Steph Curry is, uh, there's no doubt he's one of the 10 best players to me of all time, 10 to 12 best players all time. It's one of the most annoying things that I see nowadays is going back to Carm TikTok with the, Le- the LeBron stuff. When they argue for LeBron, they, they say that Jordan played in an era of basketball that wasn't as good as today. And I just can't hear that. No disrespect to the players of today because they are incredibly, incredibly talented. But what they have done with the game to aid the offensive player, it's crushed the game. So you can't 
tell me that, sure, guys are longer and they can shoot it better. And they're be- I'll even say they're better conditioned is not the right word, but certainly better trained. But the game yep. itself is just so much easier to play from a physicality standpoint. You do not take the pounding that you took back then. It's not even close. Yeah, Absolutely. I agree. And I, I would also, because you're right on all those points. And I, one thing I would say, too, is that the one other argument, and I hate going back and forth on eras per se, but if the players today had, or players from then had the information available, that is to the players today, right. as far as like the value of the three point, do you honestly think Michael Jordan would have not been a near 50% three point shooter right. or 45% had he known how important that was or if the game had evolved? So that's one thing I always kind of point yeah, out to you. Right? You have something that's kind of related that I, the thing that I'm most rooting for for the rest of the NBA season, I'm tying it all back together is that the Warriors are the eight seed right now. The Lakers are the seven seed. So the thing I'm most excited about is I'm hoping that those two teams finish in that spot and that the Warriors find a way to beat the Lakers in that first play-in game. And then the Lakers are playing like the 10 seed for the chance to not even, not even make it to the playoffs. So like that is my full investment is watching Curry go off in that one game against the Lakers if it works out like that. And then having the, the Lakers whine about having to play in the playing game and maybe not even make it. If that happens, That's what I'm excited about. It, I, I'm with you 100. Uh, percent Except that I think that the Lakers are still going to win the NBA. Yeah, cha- I think they're going to win it all. Oh no, 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 no! Do you really? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Oh, Did you have you seen? You got to win it at all. I do, I do, and everyone and I and I actually would bet. I'd love whatever the odds are right now. I certainly would take them. Anthony Davis just put up what 38 and. 12 and 42 and 14 so he's back LeBron's gonna figure it out man he's gonna get close enough to being healthy they have so much more talent I would love to see it go ahead Golden State get him and then uh John Morant come big let's go Memphis win that 9-10 game and and you could be a problem Memphis has size that could give perhaps the Lakers a, a tussle but I don't think, think that's going to happen. And then who do you have? Neither do I. Right. It's what I'm hope, fruitlessly hoping for, though. Right. And then so. who's who's beating them? You, you're telling me that the, the, I don't know. They just they just they just beat the Suns by 13 without LeBron. That's their that'd be their first. Yeah. Round. I just, I don't I don't I'm I'm Clips nervous. Are the three? So they would have to go through the Clippers, and if they beat the Suns, or I guess in theory, if they lose the first game, if they lose to the Warriors but make it in, they'd be the eight. So they'd have to play the Jazz. I do think the Jazz are somewhat undervalued. I think people just think they're like that standard regular season team. I think they actually are pretty darn good, and they do have rim protection. The Clippers, I think, somewhat help solve some of their things, deficiencies that hurt them in the playoffs last year. They're so offensively good, decent on D. you got to factor in a playoff rondo. You never know. So we'll see. And then you have the Nets, too, that have the most talent. We're up against the clock here, but Coach, I give, who do you got playing in the final? Who do you have winning it? Well, I wasn't expecting to make this prediction until next week, so you got to give me you got to give me a lead <laughs> on my prediction, man. I was I wasn't expecting to make the prediction. I want to see how this thing ends, where people end in their I've in their playoff teams, because the Lakers, there's no doubt, if the Lakers are six or seven, some of the some of it is going to affect my opinion prediction. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you off on my prediction. Sorry. No, this is why I love you. It's coaches like you. It's podcasters like you who will not 
yield to pressure in the moment. No, 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 no. That's not what I do. I assess, I dissect, I get into the minutia, and then once I'm comfortable, I will tell you what I think. I'm not comfortable now, Carmen and Orbito. We will end the podcast today with me uncomfortable on that question, which is ludicrous because we don't know the seating and you're an asshole. (laughs) I wasn't saying that. But, uh, Beto, did, did you not hear him oh, say I, exactly wait, that? Wait, 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 Literally, wait, word, just, that was verbatim what he said, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. This is it. This is, this, is how I, this is how I'm ending, like, every podcast. Every podcast ends with my Garrett Temple love. You realize he played 31 minutes, had, like, zero points, and he still plays 31 minutes. That's why I love Garrett Temple. Thirty-one, they, they they have to play him thirty-one minutes, even though he doesn't score. You so, gotta love that about a player. So let, sorry, uh, we'll end the Bulls portion here on that. And last night, first night of softball, picked off Morton Grove League, Har Park. Carmen demoted to right field, thinking about retiring. We'll, we'll talk about that on another podcast. <laughs> Terrible feeling. 0 for 2, can't buy a base hit, and still trying to hit the ball over people's heads and can't do it anymore, and it's very depressing. But the Garrett (laughs) Temple of picked off, two outs, down 12, hits a little roller to the shortstop, full sprint. Adam Harris, formerly of WSCR 670, the score overnight producer who used to yell at Les Grobstein, he booked it as hard as you possibly could down the line, was out by two steps, but still gave it his all. Garrett Temple influenced that. It's that level of effort that is fostering its way to softball parks, recreational hoop courts all over this city. Garrett Temple, like Elston Turner back in the day, is having an impact, and we love him. <laughs> Bring him back 2021-22. Let's go. Yeah, if he goes somewhere else, we're going to be devastated. Oh. Hill at 246, four home runs, and 10 driven in. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. Oh, my gosh. Oh, he hit it on the roof. He hit it on to the roof. Across the street. I have never seen that. All I can tell you is you've probably heard Michael Jordan talk about being in a zone. Well, he was definitely in that zone tonight. This was like one of the best Sandlot basketball games played by professionals that I've ever seen. Definitely got their money's worth. They were on their feet for most of the evening. Michael was mobbed as he entered the stadium. A standing ovation as Chicago's number one hero put down his baseball bat just long enough to bounce a basketball. Say no more. I, I think Michael really uh, put the icing on the cake for us. He made the game very exciting, as well as the other players, Penny Hardaway. Uh, they made this event very special. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 